Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All right, welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening this beautiful Saturday morning. Of course, I don't know. How do I know it's beautiful? It's not even, it's still dark, Sam. I just said that because it sounds good. It's, a, it's the thought that counts. It's the thought. Yeah. yeah. Something's different about you, Sam. Did you get a haircut or is it the, I did. in glasses? No, I just got a haircut yesterday. You're looking kind of stylish. Thank you, man. Yeah, like when Appreciate I it. when I go to get my haircut and I got the pictures of these dudes on the wall, <laughs> you look like one of those guys. Oh, man. If, if I'm only. interrupting a man crush, let me know. Okay. Well, you're the man I really have a crush on there. Big Al <laughs> Shook is our special guest today. So, yeah, we got a, uh, we got a pretty fun show lined up for us. Uh, um, I've got, I've got a, a secret. I'm going to announce it right now. Of course, I'll have to announce it again because it's 6 o'clock in the morning. Right now, most of our listeners are just kind of rolling over, thinking, scratching their head. What the hell that? Oh, yeah, I got to turn those knuckleheads on. They're reaching to turn on. So half of them might hear this or not. The other will pick up slow. We pick up listeners as the show rolls on. But uh, listen to the bumper music today. I have a special code going on. I want to see if somebody can figure it out. Bumper music. So uh, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Speaking of code, uh, Al, my... Uh, my nephew, uh, Andrew, he uh, just had a liver transplant. Um, so uh, Bless his heart. Yeah. So uh, any pr- prayers are appreciated. He's only 26, but he had uh, liver cancer. So uh, oh thank God that it wasn't answered to prayer that he got the liver. But he's doing okay. He's, uh, he was in St. Luke's. So last week I and, uh, and Jimmy Komar um, went to see him right after the show. And you go to St. Luke's. Let me tell you. Some of these hospitals are like malls. They're so big. Oh, my God. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, I mean, I'm trying to figure out. I'm just following my nose, figuring where do I go, right? I mean, they got all those different units and stuff. So I thought it was pretty cool, though, because we talked to a gal at the information desk. You know, I think people who work information desks are trained observers. They can always tell somebody who's got like a, 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 a look on their face like they don't know what the heck's going on. They're looking around <laughs> with kind of a stupefied look on their like, huh? Right away. Hey, they yell 30 yards away. Hey, can I help you? They can tell I'm lost. So we, I and Komar both. So 
She tells us, okay, go left, right, left, right, then go to the elevator, and then follow the orange tiles. And it's color-coded. Look at this. See, I even saved it right here. They got tiles that you follow. They got purple for North Building, orange for Center, green for the medical. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I thought that's a pretty unique way. So you just follow the yellow brick road. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were getting, after we visited with, uh, with Andrew there, we got ready to leave, and I got confused again, and Komar said, follow the tile. Look there, <laughs> orange. So we followed it all the way out. So anyway, um, that was my exciting, uh, exciting Saturday after the show. So I dare say the show was the highlight, but it was good visiting Andrew, and it's good to have you with us there, Al. And you just got back from Krivitz, uh, Wisconsin, is that correct? That is correct. As you say, like you're a um, wealthy landowner in Douglas County. Well, I'm a wealthy landowner up in Marinette County. I have a cabin not that far from the Peshtigo River flowage. We're a couple barons sitting here, Al. Uh, wow, we could have like our own group or meeting. Sam, what do you own? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> no, I got a... Yeah. 72 Nova out there. Oh, yeah. That'd be worth a lot of money. I'm sorry, Sam. No, that's all right. Didn't mean <laughs> That'd be worth a lot of money. When Still I, paying off student loans. When I was your age, the only thing I owned were the clothes on my back and the hangover in the morning. Yeah, back, and, back and some of the clothes 20. were given to me. Yeah, right, right. Uh, except I, you know, I didn't drink, so no hangovers. I was a good church boy. Hey, um, I did enough drinking for you. Then. I know you went to Stevens Point, Steve- and you guys were maniacs there. Yeah, every every weekday was a weekend, and every weekend was New Year's Eve. Yeah, just hit it till you can't hit it anymore. What, what was the cheap beer that you guys would get Ugh, there? Drewries. Drewries. <laughs> <laughs> Gives me a headache Steven, just thinking about Sam's it. Sam's recoiling in horror back there. Uh, the yuppie guy, Sam's of the age now. You know, popular beer is Pabst. Yeah. Yeah, it was turned out. I couldn't believe it. I used to think Paps was the gnarly construction worker guy's beer. You know, you sit there, some 85-year-old guy. I was weaned on Paps. I'll get a Paps. What? That's, I was weaned on Paps. That's the only beer my dad had in the refrigerator. Really? So, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. When I went when I went up to Stevens Point, when I still had money my freshman year, I would buy Paps, and I saw all these people buying Point beer and lining Kugels and Drury and Bush. And I'm thinking, you know, then I started running out of money, and I went to Point. Then I went to Liney, and then I finally got down to Drury's, where you could buy a case of bottled Drury's beer, and it included deposit for three ninety eight a case. Wow, what a deal! Oh, you were you, you if you were lucky, you tripped and fell on the way back. You only lost half of them, but oh, you fade that stuff was. Something. Hey, we're totally off the rails now. Hey. Keeping it clean without bad words. <laughs> Tell us the time you had the blind guy drive back from oh, the bars. Oh, scooter. <laughs> yeah. What oh. happened there? Well, you won't a, believe this story. What? It was a, it's a Thursday. It's a Thursday night, and they would always have contests, drinking contests, down at the square at Stevens Point. It was the Market Square. At one time, it was in uh, a Guinness World Record of most taverns in a small area in Less than a half city block of the Market Square of Stevens Point, there were 43 taverns. Okay. There was one building that had three of them, on each, one on each floor uh, going up. And believe it or not, they were dumb enough to make me an RA at a dormitory up at Stevens Point. And a fellow that lived on the first floor, and I'll refer to him only as Scooter, was in, up there, but he was blind from birth. The fellow didn't even have eyeballs. And we would take him out with us and 
show him around, try and have, because he was somewhat of a recluse when he got there. But we took him under our wing and started getting him in trouble. Did your best to corrupt him. Yes. We, yeah, what's I, an RA for? I was, what's what? I said, what's an RA for? Exactly. Than, you know, take the shy guy out and get him drunk. So Thursday we go down to the square and that's when they had quarter beer nights and we were enjoying it. And Scooter would have one beer. That's all he would have. And, of course, it comes time. It's starting to kick us out. And I owned a 71 Ford van at the time, a Conaline van, and it was all furry carpet, the whole nine yards. And uh, Scooter says, I'm not going with you guys. You guys are drunk. And I said, well, you're so smart here. You drive. So I handed him the keys. We got out. This fellow, he had a carpet in his room. You could flip a quarter, and it would hit the floor. He could walk over and pick it up. That's how acute his hearing and his hands were. Okay. You could hand him a bill, and he could just feel it and tell you if it's a 1, 5, 10, or 20. I have no idea how he did it, right. but he did it every time. So, so you, figured, thought, you figured he could drive. Well, He's pretty we, just, good at- we didn't think he was going to. Okay. But actually, he gets in, and he starts driving, and he's real slow, and a little to the left, a little to the right. Okay. So you guys are directing him? Yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the passenger seat in front. We about three blocks from campus, the guys in the back, there were seven of us in the van. Guys in the back goes, oh, man, the rollers are behind us. I look in the mirror, and there the lights are. You know, we were bumping off some curbs and stuff, big deal. And uh cop comes up to the window. It's cold, so the window's rolled up. Scooter's got his hands at 10 and 2, you know, being a good driver. And the guy's rapping on the window with his flashlight. You could hear him say, roll down the window. Well, Scooter didn't know how to roll down the window from the driver's side. Okay. So I had to reach across to roll down the window. He goes, cop says, let me see your license. Scooter's got his Ray Orbison glasses on. He's going, I don't have a license. Cop goes, no, really, I want to see your license. He takes off his glasses and looks at the guy and says, I'm blind. He goes, that's it. Who owns this thing? And I said, it's me. Hand me the keys, everybody, out on the sidewalk. <laughs> And we, then, s- we spent the night in jail. Now, what did the judge? You guys went before the judge. <laughs> yeah, the next morning we were able to get in front of the judge, and uh, I was a part-time game warden up in Portage County at the time, so I had seen the judge a couple times. And uh, calls, they calls the case in, and he's looking at the paperwork, and he starts to snicker, and he looks at the clerk, and he says, is this for real? She goes, well, that's what the report says. He looks up, and he goes... I can see which one of you guys is blind. Who owns the van? <laughs> That's me, sir. He goes, whatever possessed you to allow someone blind from birth to drive your van? And I just said to him, I said, we figured driving without a license was cheaper than driving drunk. And he broke out laughing. He goes, you guys are right. It is cheaper. <laughs> and he was going to, I think it was going to fine us like $86 and some odd cents. And we, of course, didn't have all that money with us. And... uh he said, well, what do, what do these bandoleros or whatever he called us have for cash? Because they take all of that stuff away from you when they throw you in a clink. And uh, she said it was like 70-some dollars combined. So that meant we didn't even have $10 between us. And uh, he goes, okay, the fine is 72 whatever And I'm going, wait, wait, wait. I need money to get my, my truck out of hock. And he goes, what's the impoundment fee? She says, it's 15 bucks." So he said, whatever. He said, give him $15 back, pay the rest and fine, but you can't pick your truck up till 4.30 today. You still look drunk to me. <laughs> that was it. Let you go. Yeah. Oh, man. 
And there was a little article in the paper a couple of days later about blind C.W. Stevens Point student found driving. And the only name they put in the article is mine because I owned the the truck. (laughs) So I cut it out, put it on the back of a little index card, and sent it to my dad with the note that said, do you believe the stuff that goes on up here? He was losing his mind. Dad was proud. Oh, yeah. Dad was proud. I've done some crazy things before, but... Never had a a drive a blind driver drive you back at at bar time. Seemed like a good idea when we yeah, were drunk. Yeah, it's always good. So anyway, um, you shot a deer this week, didn't you? Oh, on the fifth of November, I was I was lucky enough to get one with my crossbow. Okay, that was the last nice day before this most recent cold snap. Now, let's see. Now you. Uh, Drove 100 miles and packed in about 10 miles hiking on a logging road and climbed a tree. Is that how it went down? It's probably about 100 yards from the deck in my backyard. Okay, so. <laughs> just, I just walked down the hill around my pond, opened the gate, and went in. Uh, earlier that day, I was cleaning up yard waste, and I've got a UTV with a dump box. So I was drove it down to put it on my compost pile, and, of course, I had Summer the Wonder Dog with me. Right. So I opened the gate, and Summer immediately started looking for woodcock because it's a little wet back there. And all of a sudden, I see something move, and I look. A doe gets up, and a buck gets up. And I mean, the antlers were a good six inches past its rump on both sides. Right by my ladder stand. They must have been bedded down together. I'm like, oh, for crying out loud, why are you doing yard work? So I was yelling at myself, driving back up the hill, and I thought, you know, we really didn't scare those deer away too far. Maybe they'll come back. So I just grabbed my crossbow, didn't put any of my hunting stuff on, went back down the hill, climbed up the ladder stand, and that's when I realized about halfway up I didn't even have my harness on. Ah, too late. I'm going to get up there. And I sat from about 5 after 3 in the afternoon on Tuesday, and by 10 after 4, I had gotten cold and was shaking like a crack baby. And I was trying to talk myself out of, you know, come on down out of stand, get warm, do whatever. Right, right. The other part of my brain said, well, you know, you've got an awful lot of pictures on your trail cameras of deer coming through this area at 425, 435, 445. Right. You've been here long enough. Why don't you just wait and see what comes through? And at 423, does started coming from my left through the buckthorn. And the larger doe, which was probably the adult doe and the other were fawns, went behind me, but she kept looking back all the time. And the two fawns came out on my trail that I have in the part of the property. And as they were coming down in front of my ladder stand, I saw legs for the fourth deer to come through. And when it stepped out in a gap, I could see that it was an antlered buck that had more than spikes. And when it got through the next gap, I let him have it. And I uh, got the old donkey kick off of him right away, so I thought, oh, it's a good hit. And I watched it run in front of me about 10 yards away. It cut in behind me to where that other doe had left. And it wasn't a couple of seconds when it went back into the buckthorn that I heard something crash. And I thought, no way, is it piled up already? So I waited about 10 minutes, got down out of the ladder stand, went and found my arrow, followed the blood trail, and it wasn't from here to the couch, 10 yards off the trail, all piled up. It was done. Nice when you can do that and then just uh, drag it right back to your place and take care of it. Hey, I think we got to go to break, Sam. Is it uh, time yet? All right.
So successful deer hunting. How many points, Al? Nine points. Nine points. Nine points. Get that thing cleaned out and yeah, it's all. And did it I boned yourself. it out on Wednesday and uh, you do it yourself. Then, yeah. Right? Yep. Gotcha. Had a little help hanging it up at first. A lot heavier than I'm. I used yeah, to be able to lift that. Not but the five hundred anymore. Not the five hundred pound bench presser anymore. But no. <laughs> but who cares? <laughs> We're getting old. So we're going to go to break. Uh, 799-1250 is the number. Uh, Hunting, fishing, any kind of tales you want to tell us, give us a call and uh, stick around for the ride. Again, listen to the bumper music carefully, my friends. There's a code there. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. 799-1250. You got a uh, fishing report, <clears throat> comment, um, information. Hey, I got a little bit of information here, Al. What do you have, Dan? Well, it's Pewaukee Lake. You didn't, uh, you didn't, uh, you, last time you were you were with me on Pewaukee Lake was what, two years ago? Maybe it was three years ago. We went uh, out trolling, didn't we? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And we got... We got a small muskie, didn't we? Seems yeah. to me we had some and a, action. And a nice big walleye, too. Oh, we did. Yeah. Okay. 28-inch or something like that. That's right. That's the like the only walleye I've caught there trolling in, in recent recent years, and that was with you. I'd forgotten. I remember catching one. I, I take so many people, I forget. Yeah. But that segues beautifully into my information here. Uh, the Pewaukee chapter of Walleyes for Tomorrow. Again, Tom Kep has done a fine job of... Uh, Getting that organization started and rolling, they have uh, Thursday night meetings normally at mug shots out there on the lake. And um, I'm a member. I I just don't go to, just like Muskie's Inc., I'm a member. Don't get to the meetings, but I still like to support. It's a good club. I will be going to their fishery. Uh, They uh, keep keep posted... uh, Keep checking probably the waterfront website, and uh, they, they'll have a list of all the fisheries they'll have out there starting in January. It's a lot of family fun, raffles and so forth. And uh, the sodbusters go out ice fishing while the fam stays inside and hopes to win a ham or something on a raffle. But the walleyes for tomorrow one will be having a—that's a, a, a big, big deal out there. And they, they have great raffles. It'll be jam-packed. But they're working on getting that organized, but they got a lot of great projects going on. Uh, they are going to be doing some more fish sticks projects. Now, they did a fish stick, Al. Fish sticks isn't what, like, Mom used to bake for me in the oven. You've probably figured that out already. Yeah. The fish yeah. sticks is when they— Some familiarity there. They, they like, uh, cut some trees that go down into the water from the shoreline, and they kind of anchor them down. I think they, they put some off the Walks Island on the West End years ago, and they dragged them out over the ice, and yep. then— they get a DNR permit for that. Apparently, they got some fish sticks. Ben, you know Ben. Yes. Uh, ben worked on getting some permits approved, and uh, they're going to be getting some in the Taylor's Bay area. Oh, nice. Yeah, so the fish sticks project there. They also got some more cribs. Now, when they put the cribs out years ago, I did an article for the Lake Country uh, Reporter when I was writing for them, and I actually went out on the ice and took a picture of these cribs out there, and, and they were on the ice— 
And then what they do is they wait for the ice to melt, which it always does. And, you know, with global warming, of course. It's oh, gonna boy. Melt. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's, 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 we're all going to die because of that. But anyway, the ice will melt, and then the cribs sink down. The problem is, is if you get the cribs built and the ice is too rotten to get them out there, that's not good. But apparently, according to Tom's email, they got this new special crib dropper or something that you can just go on out and just drop them. So I don't know if this is... Was a, it a barge or something? I don't know. It's, I'm curious. Um, yeah, maybe he'll give us a call or someone will... I mean, one of, maybe one of the locals will give us a call from out there and explain the crib dropper. But apparently... Uh, most of the Apparently cribs, we got access to one, whatever the heck it is. Most of the cribs that I've seen are like six by six foot, aren't they? Kind of yeah, lattice yeah, logs the, type of a thing? Yeah, right. And I think the ones they made a couple of years ago, I think they had logs. I think they were like eight by eight, and they then they throw Christmas trees inside right. of them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they brush them up real good. Yeah, so uh, I'm still worried I'm going to snag one when I'm trolling out there. It's kind of altered my p- pattern a little bit. Um, but anyway, it's a great, um, great club. And um, the walleye fishing, you mentioned that one that we snagged into, not really snagged, but caught on Bill Schwartz's world-famous slammer crankbait out there trolling a couple of years back. Um, they did a, a survey, a walleye. DNR went out and did the uh, recruitment survey, they yes. call it, Al. Yep. And apparently in a two-mile stretch, they did, it, did this in October on Pewaukee, they got 190 walleyes. And uh, there were four to five year classes represented. That's so, nice. Yeah, so that's looking good out there. Uh, that fishery should just should just get better. Yeah, uh, Ben Ben Hausner is the fish biologist for the area that we're speaking about. And uh, last month he came to our conservation alliance meeting and explained a lot of what they've been doing this spring, stuff in Paradise Springs and uh, the surveys they've been doing on the lakes and the amount of fish that they've been putting in the county and area lakes, it's amazing just how many thousands and thousands of these extended growth fingerlings are being placed in, in the lakes in southeast Wisconsin. And if you don't think that you can catch walleye unless you go up north, you're, sore, you're, you're mistaken by quite a bit. There's a lot of them to be had. And yes, there's a 3 by 18 inch limit, but the Rock River... Fox River, Pewaukee Lake, Okachi, Oconomowoc, Upper Oconomowoc, all of those lakes, they're there. If you if you just fish for them, they're there. Nope. As a matter of fact, I went to Okachi Boat Launch to take a look because they pulled the pier on Golden Lake, and that lake is about half frozen with some sheet ice. But I took a look, and you could see, you know, where the channel right by the boat launch in Okachi was open, of course, because of the flow. But I could see where someone broke ice to go out because once you get past the bridge by fooleries, it's all open water. And there were two trailers in the in the parking lot when I went there, and they were double axle trailers. So I'm assuming those guys are out there trying to get some musky in late Dra- season, dragging some suckers out yeah. there. Yeah, that's what they were doing. So, well, we do have you know some great fishing here in you know southeastern Wisconsin. Uh, musky. I mean, uh, I, once I started. I got lazy, Al. Once I started, you know, banging muskies down here, I I didn't feel like hooking the boat up and driving up north. And, uh, yeah, I've gotten kind of lazy that way. I don't know why you would want to go anywhere when you've got the potential for a 50-incher swimming past there, your back door. There, there are, and I've I've heard uh, there's been uh, been several caught on Pewaukee Lake this year. So, uh, 
Yeah, great fishing. Now, as far as walleye, though, you mentioned the Rock River. Now, the Rock River, I mean, they've they're they've been in there. What that runs all that runs into Kashkanang, I think. Yes. And as as far as I know, that what I think walleyes were probably native to that river system. I'm thinking that's probably been had walleyes for years. I would guess. I would have to agree with you, but I wouldn't want to. Wouldn't put any my money life on it. it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to throw a lot of money at it. And but. you mentioned that uh, Ben himself, you know where he likes to troll for walleyes? Probably out on Kashkanang. Kashkanang, yeah. 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 First time we ever had him on the show when I called him up on the phone. He's, I think, I think he was on Kashkanang as I was talking to him on his cell or right after. All I know is, yeah, he was talking about being out there. I talked to a couple people that were down fishing out of the off the rock on Kashkanan around 26 Highway 26 bridge mm-hmm. and with all the water that we had as far as rain goes they were really they were really piling them up out there there were a lot of fish were in that current just fishing were they fishing from shore then or no in no, a boat and a there boat. were plenty of people fishing from shore but they couldn't tell me if they were doing very much gotcha all right well time's flying talking fish and walleyes uh, i guess we got to run to another break um, 799-1250 once again is the number and uh, we'll be talking a little more fishing a little hunting when we come back so hold on oh, hold on okay sorry so Al um, what uh, what do you think about uh, the upcoming deer season do you think that it's going to be a good one or not probably statewide it'll probably be a very good deer season but up around my cabin in that area of the state there's, I see more wolves and bears than I see deer. Well, the Krivitz area. Used to be fantastic. It used to be, Krivitz was the state. I mean, that area. That and Wapaka which County had, was Because Marinette was part of that. Yep. And uh, I remember, in fact, when I grew up in Green Bay, we'd drive on up and we'd hunt off of, I think, is it Highway 64 up there? Is there a Highway 64? It's, or a highway 64 is south, about okay. 10 miles south Cause, of Krivitz. Because we'd go into Peshtigo. Yep. And then we would go, let's see, we'd go into Peshtigo and we'd go west. We'd yeah. go west about, we'd follow along the north shore of the Peshtigo River. Yeah. And then we'd get close to, I think, a highway 181, I think, is a highway that goes through there or something. And we used to hunt, and there were deer everywhere yeah. back then. Yeah. When I started going up there, I, I bought the property that I have now from a very close friend of mine. I started working for him back in the 70s. And I started going up there early 80s, right out of the Air Force. And it wasn't uncommon at all when you'd sit in the woods. It was all public service land around the flowage. You had a bad day if you only saw 20 deer. They, now, I haven't seen a deer with a rifle in my hand during the gun season in the last four years up there. They're there. Right. But there's so many people baiting. And the deer don't move anymore. They can just go and bed off somewhere close to a bait pile or a pile of pumpkins. Yeah, I know they're not supposed to bait at CWD County and so on and so forth. But every gas station you drive by has four pallets of bagged corn, and you know they're not selling at the plant. Right. So, And it's not all going up to Michigan hunters. No, it certainly isn't because Michigan can get their own pallets of corn. In fact, we hunted uh, you know, back in that heyday when that area was so good. We actually hunted just over the border. On the Michigan side. Yes. And I hunted around, what, Stevenson, Wallace, Ingalls. Yep. And yes. I leased 40 acres of land from a guy, and uh, it was he only charged me, like, what, 150 bucks. 
So I split it 75 bucks with another buddy and went up there and shot a number of bucks over the years. So, but anyway, now, is it now time to go to break? Okay. I I've got a gut report if you want it. Hey, that sounds good. When we come back, um, yeah, we, let's do a gut report when we come back. All right. Hang on, guys. We'll be back. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is a gut report on the wing, but with deer season opening up next weekend, uh, here's a, a meal that I usually make three times in the morning. Some people call it SOS. Some people call it creamed hamburger. I just call it breakfast. Uh, S- SOS. SOS. Oh, we all know what that is. Yeah, stuff on a shingle. Okay, yep, stuff but, on a shingle. Good job at cleaning that but, one up. What, uh what what I normally do is a pound, pound and a half of either ground round or ground chuck and have that on hand. First, you want to take a small yellow onion, chop it up, and put it in the frying pan with some mushrooms. Once the onions get clear, put the meat in, start to brown it. Uh, get two bouillon cubes melted in some hot water. Once the beef is browned, add the bouillon cube solution to it. Let that come back to a simmer. And while it's coming back to a simmer, take three tablespoons, three tablespoons, that's the big spoon, guys, of cornstarch in cold water. Mix it up so it's like a slurry, looks almost like milk. And once that concoction of bouillon and and hamburger are boiling, add that to the liquid and it'll gravy it up real nice and it'll be a clear gravy, not like you would find with a flour, which would be a milky gravy. Stir that up, bring it back to a simmer, and you can serve it over potatoes or toast. And that's a very hearty breakfast, and that'll last you easily to lunchtime. That that recipe will serve four normal people, but at my camp, it only works for about three. So enjoy, folks. Sounds like a good one. That was our gut report, our guest gut report from Big Al Shook. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening. Uh, Again, everybody, I do have a code, a meme in our bumper music today. Keep listening, guys. See if you can figure it out. But right now, we've got the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Mr. Tom Neubauer himself on the line. Is that correct, Sam? Yes, sir. Okay, good morning. Are you there, Tom? Yes, I am, guys. All right. Hey, uh, Tom, how are you, my friend? Well, I'll tell you, it was about 6.30 on a Saturday morning. I was thinking about a gut report. <laughs> but the only thing I could give a gut report on is about how bad hospital food is. <laughs> so so I, figured, I figured Al did a pretty darn good job. So I, right, haven't, thanks, I haven't told anybody that you've been in to have your tonsils out, but do you want to kind of expound on this a little uh, bit? Yeah, I was in the hospital for a little while. I had uh, open heart bypass surgery, and uh, they cracked open my chest, wow. just like our friend John, and uh, put it back to bail. You know what they put the chest back with? Bailing, with wire. I thought it yeah. was zip ties. Yeah, was, they put the chest back with wire, and then in, they don't use sutures. They use uh, uh, glue, 
I said, I hope they use some good super glue or gorilla glue. It must be not that wow. glue. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah, I've been at home, back at home for a few days. I was in the hospital. I don't know about. I don't really remember. It was about eight well, days, seven, eight. Well, days. they had you doped up and stuff, Tom. Oh, yeah. You're on a bunch well, of. Hey, I was dopier than usual. You were on happy pills, there, buddy. <laughs> Uh, I still am every now and then. Well, I hope they like, use stainless steel wire to wire you back up actually, again so stuff doesn't rust in there. Yeah, actually, they said they did. So, But, yeah, I'm, I'm getting back. I, I should be back to the show in a, maybe two, three weeks. Wow, and, uh, that's a miraculous recovery because originally you had told me you might be out, like, you know, months. Yeah, I, I that's what I thought. But, you know, they tell you the more you walk, the more you keep busy doing things, you know. You know, you got to rest and take your pills and whatever, but uh, uh, walking is the main thing. And, of course, guess what? I'm a former. Smoker. Yep. So just former how... Just, How's that going for you? How crabby are you, Tom? I'm just... We got to maybe get your wife on the line. No, I'll tell you, I it, it, it didn't bother me. It hasn't bothered me. It really hasn't. Uh, maybe once I get outside doing things, maybe it will bother me, but it doesn't bother me at all, really. So I don't think I'll, you'll see me out in the parking lot having a smoke or selling them. No, that well, kind of, well maybe selling them. I figured, yeah, we got to still keep that lucrative, <laughs> that lucrative business yeah. business yeah. going. But it, we're glad you came through that pretty strong. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it was. I'll tell you what, John never told us half of what what he went through when he had his son. Mm-hmm. He never told us half. Well, I, oh, I'll man. tell you, I'll tell you one thing, Tom. As a former smoker myself, in about four to six months, you're going to realize the things that you ate before you never really tasted. Right. Because everything starts to come back for you. And as far as enjoying food and even the special diet that they're going to put you on, you will be able to enjoy it a lot more without smoking than you did whenever you were smoking. Right. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is I'm, I'm not on a special diet except for low sodium. Well, that's a special diet, my friend. Yeah, that's a special diet, <laughs> low sodium. Low sodium. And, yeah, that's, that's the main, that's the only thing, really. Otherwise, I can eat whatever I want, but I really don't want to eat a lot because I'm not all that hungry most of the time, right. you know, so. Um, so, yeah. so they did recommend low sodium, no smoke, and start to exercise? Is that? Well, it? just with, with the heart thing, it's just a lot of walking. That's the main thing. That would be the exercise. A lot of walking, yeah. And the more you walk, the better it is. So, But, yep. yeah, I was, uh, you know, there were three doctors. Well, actually, you know, one, two, three doctors that saved my life. And, and then the nurses at, uh, it was the uh, Aurora Grafton Hospital I was at, that they're kind of like St. Luke's North. Right, okay. Uh, I'll tell you, those people were wonderful. They were terrific to me. You know what? I, I, I tried giving them a hard time, but... <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I yeah, I've been to hospitals, nursing homes, and and it never ceases to amaze me, um, the skilled, dedicated, caring people in the healthcare profession. Now I always thank our police officers, first responders, service people, but I'm telling you, you got some wonderful people walking around in high stress situations with smiles on their faces. I mean, like my my nephew, he went through like I don't know a 12 hour surgery. Right. Replacing liver. replacing a liver, and then what happened was well, it wasn't well, it was twelve hours in total because they found out after an ultrasound one of the arteries wasn't pumping, and then they had to go back in for three more hours and do a stent to get it opened up. And 
And they, the doctors were visibly relieved when they came out. But, I mean, you and I go to work. We punch the clock. We come home. Uh, a doctor comes home. What would you do today? Oh, I replaced somebody's liver. Yeah. I replaced somebody's heart. I mean, I give those guys. I mean, doctors make a lot. We always talk about rich doctors, lawyers. I'll tell you what. Doctors deserve every penny they get, more so than pro athletes as far as I'm concerned. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely more so than pro athletes. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that kind of stress nonstop because yeah. you've got to take that home with you. You oh, can't, you can't you leave do, that yeah. kind of stress at yeah. the job. You can't. Yeah. In the level of intelligence to be able to do that. So. Yeah, that, that's the part that gets me. And I, I think there's a, a higher form giving them the ability to do that. Well, you know? okay, that's the first time I've ever heard you ever reference a higher form there, Tom. So, oh, 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 you know, yeah, maybe having open-heart surgery will start a guy thinking about those higher forms, but you're right. I think uh, I think God does use the skill of, when you pray for someone for a miracle, it's not just like uh, it's using a surgeon and using their skills and abilities, so God can use people to work as miracles. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Danny, that you mentioned that's the first time you heard me say something like that. I, uh, it, it, the, the funny thing is, is a lot of people don't realize uh, that I am a religious person, always have been, but I don't, like, wear it on my sleeve, you know. Gotcha. Uh, but, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, uh, oh. I'll tell you what, I was, I was praying a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I was praying a bit. Everybody has a come-to-Jesus moment. Oh, and, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. And it's, it's a good thing that you're in good stint with the Lord, I'll tell you that. Now, if well, we can, I sure hope so. If we well, can come to Jesus not only when we're in trouble, but try and do his will when everything's going great, that's right. the real test. So anyway, uh, hey, why don't you tell us who the gut report was brought to by? By uh, Discount Liquor. Discount, Discount liquor. liquor, that's it. We were yeah. going down the list on a lot of them, and we couldn't remember. If you want something to wash down, Al's SOS, don't do it. Do, yeah, don't Discount do it for breakfast, though. <laughs> and it'll wash it down quicker. There you go. 51st in Oklahoma and Main Street and Barstow in Waukesha. There you Waukesha. go. That's it. But anyway, I'll, uh, maybe I'll give you guys a call next week. Oh, yeah, and you'll get me those certificates for our NFL contest so I can. In fact, they should. Uh, you know, they were mailed today. Okay, so I'll get those. Because last week's winner, I think his name was Matt. I don't know. I got it at home. No, maybe it's Joe. I got it at home, and yeah. I told him last week, I said, hey, you know, Tom's a little indisposed. Might be a while, but you will get your certificate for Curly's Waterfront yeah. Pub. So, okay, when I get it in the mail, I'll put it in the mail, and then we'll have another lucky wiener again this week, I'm sure, as well. Yep. Yeah, so you should have them in a couple days. And I'm going to get off the air now because... You have the Hornswoggle coming up. We do. I'm glad you kept us on the rails. Oh, 645. Yeah. How's he? Man, he you knows are, it. He's the Neo of our of our brain. I yeah. was the cortex. He was the Neo. You need a Neo cortex. <laughs> you need a full brain, a left and right hemisphere to run things. So anyway, we're going to run a break. 799-1250. You too can right. win a $10 certificate to Carl's Country Meats. Give us a call right away because the calls will be flooding in. We'll be back. Welcome back to Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. So far, we've played Eagles, Doobie Brothers, Kiss. What is my meme? What is the secret code 
Tom Neubauer sitting at home trying to figure it out himself, thinking, what the heck is Bushy talking about? But right now we got our Hornschwoggle segment, and who is our lucky contestant? Mike on the south side. Hey, Mike on south side. How you doing? Good morning. Hey, so you know how... really good getting ready to go to work. Hey, all right. So I'll let you be win something right away here so uh, you can go to work and be happy. So uh, as happy as you can... Time's always happy, Dave. Hey, all right. Now we're talking. Um, so I'm going to make my statements, and if I'm pulling your leg, it's a horn schwaggle. If not, it's no horn schwaggle. So here we go with deer hunting coming up. My most favorite time of the year. Uh, the 32 Winchester Special and 3030 Winchester rounds are virtually identical in ballistics as to be almost indistinguishable. A deer wouldn't know the difference which one he was hit by. Hornschwaggle or no Hornschwaggle? No Hornschwaggle. No Hornschwaggle. No Hornschwaggle. The, the 32 Winchester Special, Al, has kind of an interesting history. Someday I'll talk about that, but right now we got to get to the Hornschwaggle. So here we go. Uh, ravens and crows are so close, they're in the same family together, that they sometimes mate, and their offspring is called a craven. And Edgar Allan Poe once wrote a poem about the craven. That's a hard one. <laughs> Quote the craven. I, I tried not to laugh, Quote but you craven. started laughing. That was it for Never me. Never more. All right, you won, well, you won, but you've you got to see if you can get three out of three. And sure. Then you're really on a roll for this Saturday morning. The Boone and Crockett scale. The Boone and Crockett scale takes big white tails and weighs them, hangs them from the rafters to see how much they weigh, and the heaviest one wins. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? No hornswoggle. Well, that's a hornswoggle. The Boone and Crockett, they measure the antlers, not the weight. But you're still a winner. Two out of three. Uh, make sure Sam I am gets your address and information carefully, and I'll get that uh, mailed out to you, and have a good, good day at work. You too, thanks. Thanks for right, calling. Take care, man. Yep. All right. Well, that's, uh, I thought the Boone and Crockett one. I thought that was the easiest one, Al. <laughs> but it is, it is a measurement system for the big, for the big game type thing. So, uh, anyway, Al, I was going to talk, we talked a little deer hunting already. Uh, pheasants. Now, you, hey, you, yard you, chickens. Yard chickens. And so let's talk yard chickens here. Um, I was uh, reading a little bit, and I know the DNR does some stocking of pheasants. Uh, of course, I go with you when we go out to McMiller. And uh, I was reading uh, in Columbia County that the pheasant stocking is going to go back to once a week now. And uh, I know you've hunted public land pheasants. I never really have. Uh, but there is opportunities that maybe a lot of people don't realize. And I know you take advantage. Maybe you can enlighten our listeners a little bit on how to do it and where it's at and what's going on. The the state plants tens of thousands of pheasants on multiple properties, and there are quite a few of them in southeast Wisconsin. And the season opened up on October 19th, and, of course, we had our first real snow on Halloween. And I was surprised how few footprints from humans I saw out in those fields that get planted. And it's it's true that when we get into this part of November, they only plant once a week, but they will they have enough birds available to plant right through into Christmas time. And they're available on all of these properties. You just have to look and see which property you're on. Some of them, like the Scuppernon in Waukesha County and Vernon Marsh in Waukesha County, 
are a rooster and a hen and or a hen, and you can take two birds. Other properties like Paradise Springs just out of Dousman is rooster only. So if you kick up a hen, don't shoot that. And there are some other clubs that do have the day-old chick program where they can release on their property, and there is one that's pretty close to Paradise Springs. So every now and again, your dog will will run up a hen, and even if she traps it, the dog traps it, you've got to let it go because that's a no-hen property. But they're out there, and the later in the season, the more they concentrate around cattails, heavy brush, and that's why it's really important for you to have a dog that knows what you're looking for and never quits until it puts him up. And I'm lucky enough, I've got a real nice lab. She's, I had a sticker on my old truck that said, my lab is smarter than your honor student, and I believe that's true. Yeah, she's, uh, Summer's a good dog. And how does a guy go about finding these these places? To, I mean, is there a book in the DIA? Uh, I guess the website. I'm probably... It's the easiest way to go is uh, go on to the WDNR website, and in the search engine, use public hunting properties. And you can even narrow it down to the county. Public hunting, Waukesha County, Jefferson County, Dodge. How do you know which ones are stocked with the pheasants then? Well, you can also search on the DNR website, pheasant hunting. And okay. then, it'll, then it'll bring up all the properties that they stock. It'll talk about the poignant hatchery, so on and so forth. Now, does a guy have to always wear blaze orange on those properties? I'm thinking if it's, if it's public hunting ground, I'd be maybe wanting to wear a orange vest or hat. Just for a safety reason, you should also wear that and safety glasses. Right. But, of course, whenever there's a, a gun deer season, you have to wear blaze orange if you're hunting anything other than waterfowl. Waterfowl, you do not have to wear blaze orange even during the rifle season. Right. But... I would strongly suggest having some orange with you when you walk in or walk out from waterfowl hunting. There was an accident, uh, wasn't it a year or so ago? Wasn't a waterfowl hunter shot by a deer hunter? Um, seems to me there was a story about a year ago. I I, I sh- it, I- it wouldn't it wouldn't be a far stretch of the imagination to have something like that happen. I would but- think even waterfowl hunting, just having a little bit of orange, just a little bit of something wouldn't be a bad idea well, during, what- deer, during the gun deer season. Well, this is the time of the year where you can you don't have to necessarily get wet to go waterfall hunting. You can right. field hunt. Right. If you can scout, you can see multiple flocks of geese and hundreds of mallards going into a particular field. Get in and either set up an A-frame or a layout blind, brush it up real good with whatever's laying around you, and just wait for them to come. If you got decoys, it's even better. But if you're laying out in the field and seeing something moving and somebody's, you know, trigger happy, they can they can throw a couple of chunks at you. But walking in or walking out, definitely, if you've got a dog with you, put an orange vest or some bright color on that animal because it's four legs and it's moving. Do you have orange for, for your dog? Summer has a nice bright orange vest that she wears if we're going out field hunting. Yep. She's got a little, Summer will get right in the layout blind with me. I've got right. a zipper down by my feet that she's looking out where my feet are. When I sit up, she takes off. Well, speaking of uh, the geese, uh, the other thing I've, I was reading this week is that because of the cold weather, weather, it's kind of pushed a lot of the geese down onto the fields, and uh, it's made for good hunting for the goose hunters. Well, they're in the fields, those picked fields now, looking for the grain crops that fell out of the harvester right? because they need that high-energy food to stay warm. 
and they're just hundreds and thousands of them coming in. Now, are the geese that are hanging around now, are those all the uh, the local, uh, in, the, the giants, in other words? Do the Canadian ones just keep moving on through, or do we have some of the Canadian flock mixing in, in as well? It's both. It's, it's both the, the locals and the, the migratory birds from what they used to call the Mississippi Valley population. Now it's just the Canadian goose. They used to have certain seasons and certain uh, populations that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the Canadians were working and worried about. Right. Now a goose is a goose is a goose. They don't care. The season's going to run for so on and so forth. And uh, But they those geese from up in Canada start migrating the middle to the end of September. That's why when you see that early season in Wisconsin, right. it's from September 1st to the 15th because that's where you're going to take out most of the locals. And, and then the, then the nor- migratory birds start moving and in. And the migratory, they're not as big as the locals, aren't they supposed no, to be? No, they're slightly? not as big as the locals, no, because the locals are what they call the giants. Yeah, they get... Uh, a few pounds bigger. That's from all the little old, old ladies feeding them popcorn in the parks. Probably. Well, I don't know what it is, but it was 30-some years ago that they thought that the giant population had expired and had gone extinct. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Hey, I think we're up to our uh, 7 o'clock break. We got... Uh, a quick, now, we used to have, like, a news update, Al. We don't have that anymore, so we're going to go to break, but don't go anywhere. Okay. All right. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Uh, Welcome to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back. Yes, indeed. We are still here 10 seconds later. This is the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors second hour. Thanks for listening. Hey, we uh, gave our kudos. Kudos? Is it kudos or kudos? Kudos. I think it's kudos. I don't know. Isn't one an African antelope or something? Oh, that's kudu. That's kudu. Kudu. And cooties are what you used to get in grade school from girls. Remember cooties? God, now we're really going off the rails. So, anyway, I want to give thanks to the police officers out there, the men in blue, the first responders, and uh, certainly our service people. And, hey, even the hardworking guys working overtime today, like Mike, going into work. You are the Americans that keep this country running and great, not those elite establishment, Washington people, congressmen who get elected one term and then they get pension the rest of their life. And they got an insurance, health insurance plan that you're not on, my friend. So, Anyway, okay, that's... Uh, I'm got, surprised more people don't run up. for that job. You know what? That would be a great gig. You get hired once. I mean, if a 28-year-old bartender can get elected, why not me or you, Al? A dingbat, a dingbat bartender. Well, I too. know why you couldn't get elected. That story about you having some drunk blind guy driving back and 
Stephen's point would come back to haunt you, as hey. well as many other things that you can't talk about maybe, on the air. Maybe it's just that I've I, got a few I, skeletons myself. Yeah, I, I got put on double probation at Evangel College when they double, wanted to kick me out. Double secret probation. Dean Werner pulled me aside. <laughs> In addition to picking up Fat, campus drunk trash, and I couldn't get involved to go in life. any more activities. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, but yeah, if we didn't have those skeletons, we could run for office. You're a con. You go there. You fight. You argue about stuff. You don't really have to do squat. You get Not people much. to type stuff for you. I'd even get a secretary. Hey, Margie, type this up for me, will ya? Yeah, and remember which button it is to this. You know, to erase certain parts of the tape that you don't want yeah, anybody right, to hear. Right. Why <laughs> don't? Rule number one. Rule number one, Don't yeah. have a tape recorder. So anyway, uh, let's see. Where was it? Oh, uh, we're talking geese there. Um, so how late will this... Uh, for what? How about for pheasants and geese? How long are you going to keep hunting them now? Well, this will be the second year of the split goose season. Okay. You get the maximum allowed under the treaty is 107 days, I believe, for waterfall hunting. And Wisconsin takes full advantage of every day for goose. They don't do it with with ducks because the federal government sets the dates for ducks. And when the goose season, when the duck season closes, which they call waterfall, season closes at sundown on December 1st, Goose season will close, and there'll be a break until December 15th when the goose season opens again, and it'll run until January 3rd or 4th. And this was something that when I was in the Congress and the chair of the Migratory Committee, I pushed for what I was calling a holiday goose hunt. Because if they didn't split the season... The goose season would end on December 21st or the 23rd, depending upon what day it started. All those days were used up. There was no more hunting. Well, look what happens in just a few days. Kids get out of school for the Christmas break. Right. Guys get off of work because of the holidays and so on and so forth. And they were having a holiday deer hunt. Now they have a holiday pheasant hunt. They didn't have a holiday goose hunt. So I pushed for it and pushed for it. And the... the most recent waterfall biologist, Taylor Finger, right. said, it doesn't matter to me when you look at the kill reports of geese, less than 1% of the total harvest of Canadian geese happens in the month of December. So if you want to shoot them in the middle of December, the end of December, the first part of January, we don't care. So we were able to get that through. And as long as pheasant season stays open on public land, I'll be out there hunting with, with summer. Okay. So it's still good even that late in the season? Yeah, you have to push him a little harder, and a fellow with two artificial knees right. has got to be careful moving through the cattails and so forth. But, you know, it, it still gets you out, gets you moving around, and if it's not a single-digit day, right. it's, you know, it's a nice walk with the pup. Gotcha. Uh, another question, though, as far as the geese, uh, they do have the early season. You can shoot five, and then it goes to two. Three. My, uh, three. Okay. My question, there's so many gosh darn geese. Why don't they just keep it five all the time? I mean, don't you think the population is so high that they could blast twice as many and it still wouldn't hurt? There anything? again, you have to remember that that first 15 days is an effort to reduce the local population. Okay. That's why it's five. When you start getting migrators coming through, 
the federal government is like, well, you know, back off a little bit because you're you're taking half of the birds that get killed from September 15th through the end of November are local geese. Right. But then the other half are those migratory birds. So they're trying to protect the migratory ones, not so much the ones crapping on your golf course. Last last year was a very very hard spring for those birds to nest as it was the year before. There was an awful lot of snow, and then when there wasn't any snow, they had a real late spring snow that supposedly killed a lot of goslings. So they were somewhat worried about the migrating geese, but the locals, they agree with you. Yeah, there's plenty of them around, and there are townships and cities that apply with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service as the only one that can give these permits for what they call taking of geese. Right. They'll wait till they molt and they can't fly. They'll herd them into a pen and humanely euthanize them and then turn the food over to pantries and so forth. And then there's another situation where the state will get these geese and they'll put bands on them and then right. release them again. And that's a way to judge the population and how what gets shot, what doesn't get shot. Well, so yeah, forth. years ago I went with you to Phantom Lake and we did a goose roundup there when the DNR was banding and tagging yep. them. Yes, that's I right. Learned, I learned how to grab a grab a goose. And, and you know which end to point that other end at. I know which one <laughs> crapped on my, my yeah. shoes. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, another thing I was going to bring up to you, uh, the CWD thing in the state. You know, for years uh, under the Walker administration, they just kind of said, well, let's just monitor it, which I was always always critical of because I thought, you, you know, you don't monitor cancer. But now they're taking a much more aggressive approach, at least as far as trying to find out how far it spread. I think the DNR was a little bit surprised when they did start more aggressive testing at just how far it has spread across the state. And I see in Washburn County, they're actually asking it's not just saying, hey, there's a kiosk avail- available if you want to get your deer tested for CWD. They're encouraging hunters in Washburn County to donate heads because they want to check for monitoring CWD. Washburn County several years ago had a single positive come, and they were put under the CWD rules. And before legislation changed, you were under those rules forever. And... They did an awful lot of testing and grouping, and as far as I know, they haven't gotten another positive in Washburn County, but they're still interested to find out if you don't get a positive test in so many years, the rules are supposed to change where you can go back to baiting and doing everything else under right. recent uh, legislation. But they're encouraging Everyone that hunts and gets a deer, no matter where you are in the state, they encourage you to turn the head in. Now, with the deer that I arrowed a couple of weeks ago, I let everything freeze so I could cut the antlers off. And then I took the head in to the service center right there in Waukesha on Barstow Street and turned it in for testing. And they gave me a six-digit number. And she told me that in about a week, I can check the website put in that number and find out if it was a positive or a negative. Yeah. Now I had two does that I shot last year and, uh, I dropped those off at, uh, schnitzler's there in Sparta and they're such a nice family owned sports shop. Yeah. You know, a dying breed, I think salted the earth people. The guy comes on out and just 
takes us out and cuts the heads off for me and <laughs> throws them in. A, and he says, they'll let you know. And you could go online. You could see the number. Yeah. I, I got, actually, I got three deer tests that I did. My brother got one. I said, hey, why don't we, he had another doe. So we had those three tested. But um, I was thinking, well, what if I didn't feel like, what if Schnitzler's was closed and I drove back to Waukesha County? Where would I go? And I went online and I was thinking that the uh, DNR service uh Stationed by that what park whatever is is that it's not Kettle Moraine is it? Uh, There's one out in Eagle. Yeah, when I thought one of the, the scup or none out by there by the um, whatever the oh anyway. But you said that you can go to the service station on Barstow is that right what? at right at the state office building. I walked in with the head in a in a white garbage bag, and I talked with the wildlife biologist. I wanted to know it's been hanging for about a week. You know, it froze solid. I think they recommend get it in within about a week. And he said, as long as it's frozen and it doesn't smell, they'll do the test. Okay. And I said, well, okay, I'll bring it in in a white plastic garbage bag. And he goes, that's a lot nicer than other people do. They just bring and throw it on the counter. And the girls behind there are sometimes, yeah, so much, not so much, you know. But uh, they were willing to take the take it in, like she said, about a week, you know. And as long as we're talking about guys that are going to be going out hunting, if you're going to sight your weapon in today, McMiller is going to be open. And I know a group of uh, ladies, they have a woman's sporting heritage. They're going to be out there with a brat, I think a hamburger sale, all day. I guess it starts at 9 o'clock and maybe run till 3. But I know it's going to be very busy out at McMiller today with uh, people trying to sight their weapons in. And if you're a conscientious hunter, you should make sure that your weapon shoots straight. You don't want... Uh, any missed shots on that big trophy of a lifetime, and certainly you don't want to wound something that you have to track for two weekends. Yeah, I remember the old days. Uh, no, of course, I've sighted all my firearms in, but back in the day, I just had a pump thirty oh six I got from my dad. And uh, most, most of the time, oh, back, this is in the 80s, if I went to a range, Brown County Range or wherever, Deep Pier Sportsman's Club, I'd wait in line forever back then. Used to be cold nights waiting in line forever. I yes. remember you'd go there uh, after work, and uh, I'd go, I'd take one shot. It'd be, you know, right around the bullseye. I'd go to pack up the guy and go, what are you doing? I said, I'm done. And that's all I did for years, one shot. And then so after, I, then for about for years, I never even bothered. I, I, Dad would say, you want me to take a shot? Yeah, I'll take a shot. He'd take a shot at a tree. Yeah, it's shooting good. That thing was never off. But... You do have to, you really should check it because if something happened where it got banged or whatever. You never know. And different, people don't realize, I mean, even different brands of bullet in the same weight. Absolutely. Can, can be off. One of the strangest things I ever saw, Al, I, uh, I got, when I got my Ruger 1022, I actually, okay. I, I and my friend Troy Woodrow fished a musky WMT musky tournament. Had we caught one more fish, we would have won 10,000. But as it turned out, we only got $400. But I took my half of the winnings, 200 and bought a Ruger 1022 and I went to uh I went to the range in uh Waukesha, the uh what's the one uh indoor range there? Oh, it's a WCTC. Think. Not that one, that's the other one. Fletcher. Fletcher, Fletcher, Fletcher yeah. Arms. So uh, yes. anyway, I had some t- uh, tons of 22 rounds. I had some old Winchester Wildcat 40 grain and then I had some CCI 40 grain 22, right? They're both long rifle. Would yeah. you believe that at like 15 yards or whatever at the range. I sighted it in with the CCI, and then I was out of those, and I went to shoot some of the other ones. They were shooting at that close range an inch and a half to the left of where the other 22 long rifle was hitting. I couldn't believe 
that that would with 22 shells. Yeah, and when you're squirrel hunting, you're wondering why you're peeling bark and you're not hitting anything. Well, sometimes it's actually too. <laughs> One time I went hunting and I I bought a. Well, I think we got up on break. I'll tell this story when we come back. I'll tell you a story about one time I went squirrel hunting in the Beloit area. So, yeah. So, anyway, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, 799-1250, hang on. And uh, if you guys have any comments, questions, uh, deer hunting stories, uh, give us a call. Welcome back to the Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. So that was your last clue that there, huh, That was the huh, last Danny? clue. We played Eagles, Doobie Brothers, Kiss, and Heart. What is my meme? We call it M-E-M-E. Can anybody figure it out? Uh, some astute person might. Anyway, what do you got there, Al? You got quite some interesting stories there. Tell us the cougar one. Well, on the outdoor news from November 1st, right on the front page, it said, In for the Kill. And these are some uh, trail camera pictures from Washburn, Wisconsin. And in the first picture that was taken, uh, let's see what we have in time frame here. At 1.33 p.m. in Bayfield County, a show a doe out along the edge of the woods. It was a Tuesday, August 20th. And number two, a cougar surveys the area at 1.37. It's, a, it's like you were at the zoo and you took a picture of the back of the head. The thing must have been sitting right by the camera. And then on photo number three, it actually catches where this cougar is attacking that doe. And that's at 138. And the fourth picture, at 145, it shows the cougar standing over the kill. It actually got the doe. And then at 146, it's, it's coming right back towards the camera where it's dragging the doe off to eat it by the throat. Now, all of this took place in 13 minutes on a trail camera. And when I looked at that, I thought, geez, that's pretty cool. The guy actually got that on a camera. And then all of a sudden, my blood started to run cold. I thought, holy free holies, what if you're turkey hunting, sitting there in camouflage, calling a turkey? You'd never even know this thing was coming. And which, what county was this? And, uh... What? Burnett or what? Bayfield is County. Bayfield County, which is right up next to, you know, my palatial, yeah. palatial estate in Douglas County. It was in Washburn, Washburn, Wisconsin was the report. In fact, there was a cougar spotted about, oh, I don't know, 10 miles from my land. Was it last year, the year before? I think it was spotted on some trail cams up there. So, you know, it is a little chilling when you think about it. Now, that kill, it took 13 minutes. So, basically, that cat sat there for a long time before it made its pounce right it it surveyed the situation and anybody ever watch your kitty cat hunt in the yard they are stealthy i mean they'll stop and look and look and look tail twitching a little bit i mean they make they measure the distance and make the rush when they think they can best succeed so Imagine sitting there calling turkeys and being studied by a big cat looking at you, trying to figure out what you are. I, I don't think I'm going to turkey hunt up there. I'm glad I'm turkey hunting down here. I don't think I don't think it's going to happen, but it's it's kind of eerie that you know 
my mind went to that right away. And I went, holy free holy, that's not a good idea. Well, the other but, thing a guy sometimes worries about too is what if you're up bow hunting and you shoot a deer and you go back and find it at 10 o'clock at night and it's dark and you... <laughs> And you're cleaning it, and you got your up to your shoulders in blood, basically smelling like blood, blood, blood everywhere, and and a pack of wolves comes along, you know, yeah. So it it does make a guy, uh, it does make a guy think a little bit about put, that. Put your head on a swivel, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey, you were talking about the CWD thing in Washburn County before. Yeah. Uh, you think that if they don't find any any positive tests, that they'll go back to some where they can bait and stuff? Then is that what's going That's on? That's what the legislation states. Uh, if they find a deer uh, with CWD, it's a three-year baiting feeding ban. And if you're in a county that was adjacent to it, they had a ten-mile circle, and they didn't find it in your county, but you were in that ten-mile circle, you only had to abstain from baiting and feeding for two years and then it would lapse so what happens i with i'm not into congress anymore so i don't get those current right. updates but uh that was the original plan but you know and and, and two of the outdoor news uh, publications one from the first with the cougar and then the other one on the 15th on the first it said right on top of the page report crossbow buck kills not a problem and it goes into saying that it's, you know, biologically not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. And on the front page of the very next publication, crossbow deer kill on a record pace. So one says don't worry about it. And the next paper is like, well, you're killing, you're getting so many deer. So I, I don't know. I Well, you did I your best to add to the record there, Al. <laughs> and nope. if, I, if I had been on my game a couple of weeks ago and had decided to shoot that buck when I saw him coming in 60 yards away and had the crossbow up and ready, I would have drilled a nice at least eight-pointer. You know, I never would have taken a shot over 30 yards with the crossbow, nor would I would have with a compound bow when I was able to pull it back. Right, right. But my I, shoulders are so bad now, I could pull a cross, compound back maybe twice. Right. But then I'd have to get a back scratcher to, you know, to scratch my nose. I right. wouldn't be able to lift my hands up to feed myself. Yeah, it is. Uh, I didn't even shoot my bow this year because I, I was lifting weights and wrecked my left shoulder. And I'm like, ah, oh, doggone it. You know, used you... to be my elbows were so. I passed up a big buck years ago when I when I tore my tricep tendon and and it came up and, and I just was too shaky. I didn't let the arrow fly. I wasn't going to just lob one in there and wound the thing. You know what I mean? So I, I let it go. Um, I, I want to make a clear... Uh, clean shot. So anyway, uh, we were talking about, uh, uh, the, the, but your squirrel hunt. Out oh, there. Well, okay. We we're yeah. talking, we we're talking bird hunting. Uh, I guess, you know, we haven't, I haven't done any squirrel hunting this year yet. Oh really? And this is one of the, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the rare years. I just haven't got out. Now, of course I was mentioning that buck I could have shot a couple of weeks ago. I actually did have a bunch of squirrels running all around me in an area where I went uh, last year deer hunting. I didn't see hardly any. And this was on a terribly windy day. Huh. And one thing that... Normally, one thing don't... that people... Yeah. On a windy day, forget about squirrel hunting. Yeah. It, that is the worst possible conditions of windy day. I think the, the squirrels are... If anybody's ever watched a squirrel, they look pretty nervous most of the time. <laughs> 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 That's why when you... That's you why think, people say, that guy's need, squirrely. You think you need anxiety uh, medication? Take a look at the squirrel in your backyard. You know, their heads on a swivel all the time. And uh, they, 
Anyway, uh, when it's windy, I don't think they can hear their, you know, any predators or anything, and that, that makes them nervous. You know, one of the coolest things I ever saw, Al, was, uh, I was squirrel hunting, and I all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this red-tailed hawk yep. comes flying by my face and goes crashing down by a log about 15 yards away, and a gray squirrel goes under the log or in the log and disappears. So, and I didn't even see that little gray squirrel hanging there, but the hawk had better eyes than me. So then the hawk disappears. About 15 minutes later, I'm sitting there, and a, a fox squirrel comes out along the side of the tree. So bang, I nail him. He hits the ground, and he's wounded, so he goes to take off, and all of a sudden, poop, <laughs> the red-tailed hawk was right on top of it, talons in it. Then I and, uh, I and the red-tailed hawk had kind of a stare down there. It was kind of like Clint Eastwood in the Western, you know, for a few dollars more. Yeah, or, uh, yeah you feel of dollars, And someone was going to whistle, <whistles> can't do that right now. When the rifle, when, yeah. remember when the rifleman, the guy with the rifle? Yeah. What was his name? I, yeah, yeah. And Clint had the pistol. He says remember. when the man with the rifleman meets the pistolero, the rifleman always wins. He was wrong because oh, it was yeah. Clint Eastwood. But anyway, we had a stare down, and uh, I hate to say it, I chased the hawk away and got the squirrel. And I later felt guilty, Al. I thought, you know, he's out there working for a living. Yep. Right? What am I doing? I'm just some schmo on a Saturday afternoon in the fall shooting fox squirrels. Did you ever notice that when the squirrels are down on the ground, they're constantly flicking their tail? Somebody, I don't remember who, but, you know, when I started hunting, I started hunting small game, rabbits and squirrels. Right. And whoever it was that was showing me and telling me, he said, what you want to look for is movement. Squirrels will constantly be moving their tail. And I, after a while, why? Well, a predator from the sky is looking for motion. They would rather have it grab their tail than grab their body. And you and I have both seen squirrels that are missing parts of their tail. Well, that's... Now, that's, whether it's true or not, it made sense to me when I was a bubba gum chewing knucklehead. Well, I've heard, I've heard like, the red little red squirrels can chase and and bite the gonads off of a gray squirrel. Hello. And yeah, that, I've, I've, read and, I've read and heard that, that the little red squirrel, like the little, some people yeah, call the them pine, pine squirrel. Pine squirrel. That they're highly aggressive and they come and they, yeah, I've heard they, it's not a good thing if you're a male gray squirrel or, or uh, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they, I don't think. How do you let it I don't get know there in the first I don't place? Know, yeah. Fox squirrels are, well, the gray squirrel's running and think he's coming from behind, right? Well, think once he makes, Miss, what's, what's lock? What part of the target do you think he's on? But uh, yeah, yeah, but anyway, uh, but I often wonder whether I, I've heard that. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but I have heard that. Um, but the um, I've I've often wondered. Well, maybe they're biting half the tail off of the gray squirrel too, if that's a possibility. Either that, or the squirrel somehow gets the mange and loses half their tail. I it, it could be a million things. I but I've seen it. Interesting fact about a squirrel's tail, though, uh, it does act as somewhat of a parachute when they jump oh, yes. out of a tree. Yeah. Yeah, they'll flatten the hairs out. It's almost like a rudder. It's, uh, yeah, I saw a squirrel one time jump in treetop to treetop, and this is rare. It missed the branch <laughs> and came down and hit the ground. And it hit the ground, and, and it looked at me and scampered off, and it, it looked embarrassed. Yeah, like it you really didn't looked, see that, did it? It really looked embarrassed, so. Yeah. All right, so I think we got to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to embarrass ourselves some more. So uh, Cutting Edge Outdoors, thanks for listening.
choice. Welcome back to Skipper Bud's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Nobody got my meme. I'll give them a hint. We had Eagles, Doobie Brothers, Kiss, and Heart. Think about those letters, my friends. Anyway, uh, we're talking squirrels here. And, uh, you know, you're talking that nowadays you take Junior out, you get him a deluxe rifle with a scope, and you put him in a blind with eight heaters, and you let him sit on a nice, comfortable, you know, pad and, or uh, cushion, and then the deer comes out 40 yards away broadside, and he shoots it, and that's, that's hunting. But you and I grew up, Al, walking, the, walking through the woods, walking through the fields, slogging through the marshes with a twenty-two in our hand, chasing rabbits and squirrels. And that's how I learned how to hunt. I, I started out with a daisy repeater. And like I, I said off, off break, that uh, sometimes you'd shoot at a squirrel with the daisy repeater and you'd watch the BB bounce off the squirrel. Right. And then uh, my next most powerful weapon was a Sheridan 5-millimeter pump pellet gun. Oh, yeah. They, they, that was what? Was that the Silver Streak? The Silver Streak. At the time? I, I yep. had a Blue Streak. Okay. But uh, it was it was one of those deals. I was so small, I had to put the, the stock between my legs. In order to pump and, it. And with both hands, pull it back against my chest in order to pump it up. And eight was the maximum. And if I was lucky to get three in there, I was in good shape without smashing my fingers, you know, grabbing and right, right. pulling it up against. But, uh, yeah, I, in an area that I grew up, you could hunt in people's yards because they didn't want the rabbits or the squirrels around. So as long as you didn't shoot anything like their windows, their house, their gutters, whatever, dog, they, cat. they didn't care, you know. And uh, there was a, a family that was three doors down from me that had a golden retriever. It was like the neighborhood dog. And I don't know how that dog knew, but when you walked out of the, out of the house with a, a slingshot, a BB gun, or a pellet gun, Somehow that dog found you before you were too far. And oh, he was your was, loyal hunting little buddy. It and was companion. right there with you. He's except ex- he knew it was a good meal. First oh. thing you shot, he ate, oh and after God. that, he was not interested in you. Yeah, I guess we got a caller here. Sam, I am. Yep. The squirrel conversation continues. Uh, we got Paul in New Berlin. Hey, Paul, what's up, man? Hi. Um, yeah, I've never ever seen a pine squirrel until one kind of took a ride on, on my neighbor's truck on the way back from up north. <laughs> Well, that pine squirrel chased every gray squirrel out of the neighborhood. Told ya. Yeah, oh, yeah. You would see us, the squirrels on a telephone wire, and that little pine squirrel would be chasing them. Yeah, they're they're aggressive, and any deer hunter who's been out uh, knows that once they spot you in a tree, they uh, they will not shut up. They will not shut up. Um, I had one 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 chewed a hole in in our cabin up there in Douglas County, and. I, I finally caught the culprit that got the, well, it wasn't pretty for him in the end. That no. squirrel did not survive. I had my twenty two pistol at the time, I believe. And, uh, yeah, but they are aggressive little little things. Now, I don't know whether they'd actually chase a fox squirrel. Fox squirrels are actually bigger. But um, maybe we can get a cage match going between, get some bets going. <laughs> get, get, we can do, <laughs> they do dog fighting, which we in no way endorse. But how about squirrels? And in, you know the- yeah. Where the gray squirrels will get the acorn nuts and, you know, for winter. Yep. The pine squirrel collects pine cones. Oh, yes. And you would hear these pine cones falling out of this tree and hitting the house, that your car, and that squirrel would be up there, you know, piling them up. I had a wood pile where there was this huge pile of pine cones for winter. 
Yeah, they uh, they are something, boy. And and they uh, you want to talk about? I I was mentioning how nervous squirrels are and how quick they move. Oh my gosh, those uh, pine squirrels, otherwise known as the red squirrel. Uh, those things are just hyper as can be. Oh my God, to get them to sit still long enough to shoot them, uh, you know, with a twenty-two anyway. I mean, those things are always on the go. And a lot of people might look at one of those things and think it's a baby fox squirrel or something. You know, they are kind of similar in coloration with the reddish, but three distinct species there. You know, now that you mention it, Dan, I've seen melanistic gray squirrels, you know, white and black, yep. but I've never seen a melanistic what you call a pine squirrel. I've only seen red. I've never seen any other color and that type. And, you're, you're right. You know, up around, up by us, yeah. our vacation property, those things are everywhere. You would think that you would probably run across a white one at least. You yeah, know? You're right. But, I've never never seen one. Hey, thanks for the call. Thanks for listening. Like the show. Goodbye. All right. Take care. Thanks. Um, yeah, I guess maybe it's maybe because you just don't see the numbers of them. Um, now, of course, there are pockets of melanistic uh, black phase uh, gray squirrels yeah. around and white La- along Wapaka area has oh, a bunch of them. Of them. Uh, La Crosse area has some areas with a bunch of them up by Superior, believe it or not, right behind our cabin. There's very few squirrels up there. It's not there's it's not it's the, not good squirrel. It's not country. hardwoods, but yeah. we always get some some big black. And I I didn't have the heart to shoot one a couple of years ago. They got life so tough up there. I'm, yeah. I'm like. But uh, then last year I was up and I got up in the morning. It was during a big snowstorm up there. And I looked out the cabin window and there goes this gray squirrel. And, you know, it's fresh snow, but a foot of snow. And I went to try and follow that guy's tracks and I ended up giving up. Uh, those things are like ghosts up it's, there. Yeah. They don't. Yeah, they're they're on the move. And they'll cover a lot of ground to get some uh, to get some. Well, food they have too. to. It's unbelievable. Well, as far as squirrel hunting tips, we're talking about squirrel hunting. Um couple of tips. You were mentioning the old string on the other side of the tree. Yeah. Many times when I'd tree a squirrel, I'd try and quiet, quietly circle the tree to hope I can get a peek. But if they're circling and they're not letting you get a peek, I would take my hat and throw it on the other side of the tree or a rock or a branch, and that would sometimes work. Um, another uh, another thing you can do, if you got enough patience, you can go sit back and, and wait a while for them. But they got the patience up there. They'll oh. stay up there frozen. Uh, one, That's their house. They could stay there right. all day. Now, if, now you got to hope they're in a tree that they didn't hole up, too, because they might go in a hole. But most of the time, they're just hiding around the tree trunk. I had a gray squirrel years ago in the middle of winter in a tiny little tree. You wouldn't believe that he could conceal himself every time I circled around. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah, I finally ended up, I finally got him. Another tip, uh, squirrel hunting. If you ever do, this especially works with, well, we'll work with the unwounded, but especially if you have a wounded squirrel that runs up a tree and disappears and hides. and You can't spot him. Uh, rather than giving up and walking away, I've done this before. If you got a twenty-two and you figure about where he is way up in the tree, one shot into the trunk will normally unnerve him mm-hmm. to the point where they show themselves. It'll just, all of a sudden, it, it just unnerves them, a shot. And that might work with one that's unwounded as well. All of a sudden, that shot into the bark, I think that just freaks them out. And then they can't, they, they lose their nerve. If I would remember, whenever I would go squirrel hunting, I, would, I had a, an old spool about a quarter of amount of the old kite string. Remember, everybody flew kites. Yeah, You right. used to get these 500-foot spools of this... Almost like dental floss stuff. Right. And I would keep it with me. And, you know, if it would, where I was doing the circle dance around a tree, 
I would tie some and go back to the other side, and then I'd watch it go back. I'd pull the string, and it would come around, and I had an old Camp King, like everybody else, pocket knife, cut the string. I wouldn't bring the string back. I would just leave it there. Because I was coming back some other time, and I wouldn't have to tie oh, the string around. Oh, you could use the string if I would if just leave it the there. It's tree. kite string. It's not going to hurt anybody, you know. But uh, golly, those but those are a long, long time ago when I'll I was. You, tell you what, some of the best shots I've made haven't been deer hunting; have been squirrel hunting. Where I'll 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 look at a tree, and I know one's up there. And then after, it's funny. It's kind of like it's kind of like all of a sudden, it just like it grows an ear or an eye and all of a sudden you realize that little bump on the tree is a squirrel head looking at you. Yeah. And then you got to carefully try and make your sniper shot and, and, uh, and get it. And I think the most important thing about starting hunting at that type of species and that for rabbits is you learn how to observe. You sharpen your eyesight to see those little things, like you said, an ear or an eyeball. Well, even even, even spotting a sitting rabbit, which I used are, to think was impossible. You can but, see them but once if you I know learned, what you're looking for. Once I learned how to, and I think it teaches you, even squirrel hunting, you don't just go, here is the problem. I've taken people hunting squirrels before where they just go walking like they're strolling through the park. And they go, yes. I didn't see nothing. It's it really teaches you how to walk quietly, stop and observe. It it teaches you how to still hunt is what it teaches you how to do. Same thing with rabbits. If you don't have a dog, you take a couple steps and just start looking around. Brambles under brushes, a little clump of grass. The thing that I was always picking up on was the eyeball, that black dot. Oh yeah. You can out of everything that's brown or white or whatever the the, the surrounding area is, you all of a sudden see that black circle. And it's like I used to oh. for, for a cottontail. What I'd spot is that perfectly round rock. It's yeah. not a round rock. It's the bunny. Yeah, because they hold their, they hold their ears back. Yeah, and they, they else. just yeah. Hunk, hunker right down. So especially snowshoe rabbit hunting years ago, that the black eye thing the black against eye. the white really works. You so bet. anyway, Sam, I am. We got to go to our, our break. Is this our final break? Yes, it is. Yeah, time flies when you're wow. having fun talking squirrels with Al here. It goes quick. Yep. So <laughs> give us a call, 799-1250, if you got a hunting or fishing report. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. It's the final countdown. The final countdown. Welcome back to Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. And uh, without Tom here, without my Neo to go with my cortex, part of the brain, uh, we forgot our NFL picking contest. But in some some weeks, I think we skipped it because the Packers have a bye week. But we're going to do a, a contest anyway. We're going to pick the Badger game. So if someone wants to call 799-1250, you can win a $10 gift certificate to Curly's Waterfront Pub. Uh, Curly's Waterfront Pump, Pub, uh, beautiful, uh, located on the pristine shores of Pewaukee Lake, uh, right close to Smokey's Musky Shop Bar and Casino. Right across the right across the street. Right across the street, yeah. Great place to go. So if you want, give us a call, 799-1250. You are almost assured to win. And we got the Badger game this week. What's the spread on that, Sam? Uh, Badgers are favored by 14 points. So we're going to go with the Badger game. Badgers are favored. Are they playing? I'll let you go ahead Nebraska. and answer. Nebraska. Okay. I'll let you go ahead and answer the phone here. So they are playing yep. in Nebraska there? Playing Nebraska with a 14-point spread. At, and they're playing in Nebraska, I believe. Hey, ne- Nebraska has a lot of pheasants, doesn't it, Al? Isn't yes, that another good? Uh, the Great Plains had a rough spring. They're, the bird numbers are down. But, yeah, they, typically they do have some pretty good hunting there. Nebraska, Kansas. 
Dakotas. Gotcha. It's pretty good, but uh, once I'm retired, man, once, we're going once out you to become the, a man of we're leisure. We're gonna go somewhere, buddy. We're gonna go northeast Montana. That's it. I'm there. Going out to Scobie, Montana. Scobie. I'm gonna start stocking up on shells. So we got a contestant. Yeah, we got uh, Tom and Newberg. Tom. In Tom the- and Newberg. All right. So All right. Tom. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna make pick our picks. Uh, we got the Badgers favored by 14. We'll let you go first. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with stick with the Badgers. Okay, Badgers. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll let Sam. Sam, what do you got? I mean, I'm going to go with the Badgers. I, I, they got to prove that they can at least get into like a bowl game this year or something after dropping yeah. a couple games already. Down to number 14. And uh, Al? Now they're playing down in Nebraska, right? Yep. And the over and under is 51, but it's a 14-point spread. That means everybody's going to be scoring. I keep thinking of that horrible Illinois game, but uh, I got to go with Bucky. And me, myself, I'm going to go with Nebraska because I still remember that ho- horrible <laughs> Illinois game, which basically means our caller is virtually assured of a win. So we're going to put you on put you on hold there. We, we got sure. some we got some tough contests here at the Cutting Edge Outdoors here. So uh, yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm I'm. I'm with you guys with uh, in regards to Badgers. Got to prove something. I mean, big time if they uh, want to win this Western Division. Well, yeah, if they want a, a New Year's Day or a New Year's Eve game, they got it. They've got to get these last two games. Right. So, Huge. All right, we'll let you get on hold there, and Thanks, Sam will guys. get get hold there, and Sam will get your uh, address information. I'll get that sent out to you. Take care, Ben. All right, take Thanks care, man. Thanks a lot. Yep, we'll see you. So, well, he gets that. And just, uh, just a reminder, guys, if you're heading out to McMiller to sight in your weapon, like every conscientious, ethical hunter should be doing with their weapon, whether it's McMiller or some other place, that at McMiller that they have a brat and I think a hamburger sale going on today. Uh, and it's for the Women's Sporting Heritage Group out of Waukesha County. So, uh, of course, McMiller sells their own stuff, but uh, here's a chance to, to help a nonprofit organization it does a lot of nice work and, and actually promotes women out in the field hunting, fishing, and recreating. So, Speaking of promote, promoting, my uh, friend uh, Dave Olson, the big O, he uh, just reopened, uh, had a grand opening I think, of his place. I believe it's Studio 360. And he had his grand opening last night, and uh, I made a mistake, Al. I thought the grand opening was tonight, but I just oh. got a text from my buddy Woody that, no, Dave had his grand opening, but... Uh, Good luck to his business out there, and Big O's been out uh, doing catching some muskies up there in the Bay of Green Bay. So if anybody wants to catch a big muskie and then have a guy be able to take a picture of it, that's Dave at Studio 360 there in Pewaukee. Uh, also, nobody got my meme. Is it? It's meme. Is it? M- is it? Meme? it you've got me. Emmy at Mimi. Okay. I look at it and go Mimi. I don't know. Okay. So we had the Eagles, the Doobie Brothers, Kiss and Heart. The first letter of each of those groups, that was the key. The first letter of each of those groups, Eagles, Dewey Brothers, Kiss and Heart. See, and what anybody, would you, what if would anybody you f- can crack the code, they can give us, well, Sam's on the phone, but yeah, you could. maybe we've got a minute or two you could try calling or call us next week if you can figure it out. I think if they get the first one, they'll get the rest. Probably. Yeah. Probably. So anyway, you're talking about... Uh, Sighting in now, you you're just going to sight in at your property then, right? You Correct. don't have to worry about that. Yes, I've got enough. I've got enough property that uh, I can set up. Now let a, it, a 
a pallet, I shoot downhill. Now, do you sight in for 100 yards or 200 yards? I don't even, I, 100, where I hunt, either in my backyard or up in Crivets, you don't get 100-yard shots. Okay. You're in the forest. Gotcha. So there's nothing, you know, you don't, it, you don't need AT&T to reach out and touch somebody. So 50 yards and in, if I get a 50-yard shot, I'm pretty lucky. So that's all I'm interested in is getting a, you know, a coffee cup size grouping right. of three at right. 50 yards. That's more than what I'm going to need. I just got a text. Uh, somebody, Woody guessed Esox. <laughs> <laughs> I, not quite. <laughs> I don't think we had <laughs> no. Sting or, or, or... No, no, not in there. Um, now, I've gotten to the point where I now sight in for 200 yards with my 243 okay. and my... Uh, and now I bought a new 270. Uh, but with the... Because uh, for the field there up in, uh, you know, up there in the Sparta area. Yeah. But then in the woods, I, I got my 44 meg carbine. I just sight that in 100 yards. And, sure. Yeah, it's plenty good because you got that... Uh, shooting for for in close now. The, have you have you heard much about the latest? They're talking about the latest, greatest, the six point five Creedmoor. When we are doing our banquet, everybody tells us make sure that you have a Creedmoor on the board for you know to raise money. And I, I okay, fine. I've had for about thirty years now a six point five times fifty five Swedish Mauser. Okay, and. Was a World War One sniper's rifle that had been sporterized by somebody else, so it's nice and small. And it was a 149, 139 grain bullet, and I would screw deer into the ground, just one shot, and they'd spin and go in. It was right. nothing. They, they, there was no tracking them. Just walk over to where they were, and they're laying there. So I'm assuming that the 6.5 Creedmoor is very similar. To the six five Swedish, yeah, I don't times fifty five Swedish. You would think so. Um, I guess but diameter similar. Um, the six point five Creedmoor. Um, it came out. It was developed in two thousand eight as a for the target shooters for the long range target shooting. They wanted to have a uh, a relatively long bullet with the right sectional density and ballistic coefficient, and it's extremely accurate for long range. And initially, they didn't have hunting bullets for it. It shoots uh, 147 grain at about 2580 feet per second, about 2600 feet per second. And the key, I guess, with it, it, it has great accuracy and long range performance with low recoil. My, and that's kind of the deal that they're, that they're you my know. My 6.5 was flat at 150 yards. Right. There was that's, no drop, there was no nothing. From 150 in, it was just flat, don't aim high, low, just it, aim and go. And even that's not f- flying super fast. That's not like it's, you know, 3,500 feet per second. It's not like a 22,250. Uh, apparently, there's more to long-range accuracy than just speed of well, a projectile. I mean, it's ballistic coefficient. It's all this technical stuff. But I always stuff. thought about my Mauser that was really sweet. It had that flip-up sight, rear sight, that you could dial in the yardage. You know, right? And right. It was just like, geez, can I really shoot 500 yards? And you go someplace like, of course, now I'm I'm a lot older and smarter. I wouldn't do this now, but you'd shoot down the high line because you had all of that distance. You didn't know who's down there, but ah, who cares? See if you can't hit that thing down there. You know, right? You'd dial it all up and 
and there's no recoil. There's no but would bark. That thing made a noise. Really? Everybody in the whole area knew who shot what if they'd hear that gun. It's like, oh, Al got one. So, like, the 6.5 Creedmoor is now, like, everybody's darling. Every gun writer, everybody's trying to get a hold of one. And uh, I guess it would be if somebody's getting a new firearm for their kid, uh, I guess it's a pretty decent choice. Uh, you're shooting a slightly heavier grain bullet than a two forty three, for example. Most hunting rounds are maybe 100 grains. Um Although the 243 is a lot faster. Uh, but the recoil, I think it's about 14 foot-pounds for a uh, for the Creedmoor versus about 10 for the 243. So you still got a little bit less recoil with the 243. But I'll tell you what, I love that 243 for long-range shooting. Uh, I mean, that thing is just flat, yeah. flat accurate. And the nice thing about some most of those calibers, too, there's no, there's no kick for a young person to be shooting it. What startles them the most is the actual sound of the weapon. Well, and that's the other thing, too. If you're going to take your kids out there, be smart. You know, have them wear hearing protection. When I was a kid, we went to a quarry in O'Connell. Just, you'd go into O'Connell like you're going towards Marinette, take a left. We'd go to a quarry, go out there, put some some of those political signs that people put in their yard. And Dad would give me some rolled up Kleenex to put in my ears after my ears were ringing and I was complaining. So... I guess we've come a long way. Well, from give there, your so. code here before we run code. out of time. Okay, Eagle starts with the E. Doobie Brothers with a D. Kiss with a K. H with a heart. Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> Nobody got it. I'm checking my last one here. Message here. I got messages coming in. Anyway, that's all I got, guys. Thanks for listening. Good luck, everybody, in hunting season, and be safe. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Skipper Buds Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, man, deer hunting's coming up next week. We'll talk to you then. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law